Good morning and welcome to worship this day at Kern Church. My name is Will and I'm the pastor. It's a joy to be with you all. If you're like me, you may get stuck in a rut sometimes and, and, and get, start questioning yourself, you know, is, am I okay right now? Is, is everything okay or, or is everything I'm doing not working? Sometimes perhaps I feel that way. And uh, as we're looking in the new year here at Kern Church, we're committed to finding a better way, a better way in Jesus. And so that's what we're focusing on today. I'm really excited to be with you all on this first Sunday of the new year in worship. Here at Kern Church, we're committed to trying to, to find a, a better way in connecting you to the life-changing love of Jesus. Let me offer a word of prayer for you. God, I thank you so much for the ways that you're moving in our, our lives I pray for each one that's here. Maybe somebody's here has been struggling with, with friends or family and, and they're just like, you know, I need some hope this new year. Or maybe somebody ha- hasn't been here in a long time and they're here this morning. And, and I, I pray, God, that you just, just bless them in their hearts, that you open each heart, whether um, whatever's going on, to receive whatever you need each one to receive. And as your people worship you, your spirit be blessed. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that your new year is off to a good start and you had a great Christmas. I know that I had a nice Christmas. It was, it was good to have a few days away from everything that's kind of going on in life and just to be with family for a few days. Uh, one of the practices that my family has, in, at least in years past, is that we take the time around Christmas just to like bug out and, and go on vacation and leave the whole world behind. We didn't do that this year. I wish we had, uh, but we didn't do that this year. Uh, but I, 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 in years past, you know, I, I will often go on vacations this time of year, and it's always a nice, a nice time to be away. But I, I don't know if you're like me. I've, I've got a bunch of kids. And um, uh, when I go on vacation, I come back thinking that I need another vacation. I need a vacation from my vacation. Uh, if you don't have little kids, perhaps you don't understand what that means. Because what is, uh, when you have small kids, like what is vacation? You're just doing the same routines and with another place and people aren't as comfortable. And so, I, I don't know, I think vacation has lost its allure in my life. But, but I, I think oftentimes uh, we get this idea in life that, it, that you need a vacation in order to de-stress, to, to, uh, to get away from things, to refocus, perhaps to that, that getting away uh, and taking a vacation will help you get away from stress. But what I found, at least for myself, is that this often does not happen. I will often spend a lot of my time away worrying about the things that are piling up at home, worrying about the things that I, I should be doing, worrying about the things that I uh, have left undone or didn't get done. And something that I learned uh, this past year that's really kind of revolution my thinking about this is that time off, time off will never cure your stress because the, 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 the time off will never cure your stress because the problem is not how you spend your time off. The problem is how you spend the rest of your life. The problem is not how you spend your time off. The problem is how you spend your time on. And so if, you, if you've come to this new year and you're thinking, you know, I, I need some more vacation this year, God bless you, and I hope that you get to take all the vacation that you, that you hope that you can. But here's the thing. That vacation is not going to cure whatever's going on in your life. Maybe, maybe you, uh, maybe, maybe you, you, you know, you're like, my, my marriage is really struggling right now. You work so hard on your marriage. You, you, you spend time with your spouse. You devote, devote life and energy into this relationship. But then you, you look at yourself and you're like, you know what? Things aren't working right now. 
And, and more vacation or more time away isn't going to cure that because, because the, what really matters in, in the, the scheme of things and in life is, is the way that you spend the rest of your life. Or maybe you, you've come to the new year and you're like, I don't like resolutions, but you kind of sort of do. And you think maybe this year will be different and I'll try again to fix that nagging problem in my life. You know, I'll actually lose the weight this year. I'll actually start re- exercising this year. or I'll actually start cooking or, or I'll actually start being happy or whatever the case may be. And, 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 um, and so you've got this, this great idea at this, the beginning of the year and you're like, this year is going to be different. Um, but the thing is, if you don't look at the way that you're living in your day-to-day life, you're, you're going to come around this time next year and you're going to realize, yeah, it hadn't happened again this year either. Or maybe some of you are thinking, you're like, how can I, maybe I, I need to get closer to God in this new year and maybe I need to take a step closer to God. And, and, and if you're honest with yourself, there's things that are, that are happening in your life that make you question of, uh, even if you, even if faith is even working in your life, even if God is even working in your life, even if if things just just aren't really making sense in your life, or maybe you, you come to a place this time of year and and in your life, and you're like, you know, I'm just not happy, or I'm not fulfilled in the way that I I thought I would be, and and something is just missing. Or maybe you think to yourself, I should have a resolution this year because I know things need to get better. Things can't stay the way they are. But having a resolution just really feels like another thing to do. Another thing to do in my incredibly busy life. And I don't need just another thing to do. And maybe this has you thinking. Maybe this has you thinking. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And if this is where you are, and if this is what's going on in your life, I think you're in good company. I think you'll find that it's not just you. That there's other people that are struggling with this same thing. And I think also uh, that, that God would agree with you that there has got to be a better way. In fact, one time Jesus was, was teaching and Jesus was talking and He knew that people were troubled. He knew that people felt stressed. He knew even that, that people were troubled with their faith in God and with the religious life of the day. And, and, and He knew that people were, were, were thinking that, that it just wasn't working for them, that things just weren't working in the right way. And so He spoke of a different way. He spoke of a different way. And this, the, what I want to share with you, what Jesus has to say, comes from one of his friends, John, who wrote it down in this book that we now know as John, that we find in our Bible, in John chapter 14, and uh, beginning in verse 1. Here's what Jesus said. He said, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house has room to spare. If that weren't the case, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And when I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and take you to be with me, so that where I am, you will be too. You will know the way to the place I am going. And so Thomas, Thomas was one of his his close followers. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And this is the question, like, how can we know the way? Uh, if, if we're told that something is better, or if we're told that we need to do a certain thing, how can we know the way? And Jesus answered very succinctly. He said in verse 6, I am the way. I am the way. I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, so if you're troubled, if you're troubled with the way that your life is going, or the way that you're living, or the way things are going, Jesus says, do not be troubled. I am the way. I am the way. The way. 
Now, now, when many people think about church, they think about church as, as something that's stuffy, uh, perhaps old-fashioned, or, or judgmental. And when many people think about church and they think about faith, um, often they have this idea, and maybe you, you have this idea, is that the most important thing is, is what you believe. What you believe about God or about Jesus. And, and sometimes what happens is that people will encounter certain beliefs that they think that they are supposed to believe, and then they start worrying, like, you know, I'm not sure if I'm 100% in on this. And, and, and because they can't go along with that certain belief that it's just too unbelievable or too hurtful for something, perhaps in their own life, that they just you know, disengage completely. And when many people think about, about church, and, and this is, for, I think, true for people who are engaged and involved with church and for people who aren't, when many people think about church, this is what they think about. There are things that I'm supposed to believe, or there are things that I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to act a certain way or dress a certain way. And, and if I don't do these things, I, I don't belong. But what did Jesus have to say about this? What did Jesus have to say about you know, the way to act or the, or, or the way to believe? Well, here's what Jesus had to say. Jesus simply said, I am the way. I am the way. In the midst of all these concerns, in the midst of all these difficulties, Jesus says, I am the way. And here's a piece of trivia for you, if you like history. And this is probably not going to be at um, you know, trivia night at Crafter's Brew or the Greens. But um, you know, this is like Christian trivia. So if you're ever at like some Bible college, maybe, and, and doing trivia night there, they might give it to you. But, but do you know what the earliest Christians were called? The earliest Christians, um, somebody in the back knows, that's great, uh, but uh, the earliest Christians um, were, were not called Christians, right? They, you know, it might be easy to think, oh, they're called Christians. They weren't called Christians. The earliest Christians weren't called, you know, Bible thumpers or, or holy rollers. Maybe you've heard that term. Um, that's kind of a more modern invention. Um, but they also weren't called Methodists. We're, here at Kern Church, we're Methodists. They weren't called Methodists. They weren't called Baptists, and, and, and they weren't even called Catholic or, or Orthodox, they were simply called people of the way. People of the way. And, and, and they, knew, they knew that the goal, the goal of, of faith in Jesus, the goal of Jesus was not just believing in certain things or not just doing certain behaviors. They knew that the goal of faith was to follow the way of Jesus. Now, I, I want to be clear. There are certain beliefs that are really important to faith. And there are certain beliefs that the church holds as really important and, and, and these things, they, they can be and are very important. But here's the deal. The beliefs in themselves are never the goal. And the earliest Christians knew that the beliefs were never the goal. The goal was always to live and love the way Jesus lived and loved. The goal of faith and the goal of, of, of being a person of the way was always to live and love the way that Jesus lived and loved. And so, um, Christianity, the faith of Christians, the faith of followers of Jesus, the faith of people of the way, is about living and loving the way that Jesus lived and loved. And so that begs the question, well, how did Jesus live and how did Jesus love? And so right now I want to share with you just a few ways that, that Jesus kind of lived and how Jesus loved other people, and then compare them to how you and I often end up getting caught in living. And maybe we can see a difference there. The first thing I want to share is that Jesus was full of joy. Jesus was full of joy. And this joy was something that he wanted for other people. One time Jesus was talking to people about, their pur about his purpose. 
and the whole reason he came. And, and Jesus said this, I came so that they could have life, so that they could have life, indeed, so that they could live life to the fullest. I came so that they could live life to the fullest. Even while Jesus was, was full of joy, most of you are full of stress. Most of you are full of stress. Jesus came so you could live a life full of joy, but you're full of, of stress. You aren't living life to the fullest. You are, are, are living life to the busiest and the stress that that brings. Another thing about Jesus is that Jesus didn't worry. Jesus didn't worry. But, but many of you and others in our society are so full of worry and so full of anxiety. This is especially true with, with young people. I recently read, this past week I read that for millennials, I'm a millennial, uh, my generation, you used to think that these were young people, we're not anymore, um, evidently. I read another article that says the oldest millennial is now turning 43, and that's the age that people stop thinking they are young. So, anyways... <laughs> But millennials and, and Generation Z, the, the, the ones that are they're coming up behind my generation, uh, the, the research says that these are the two generations that are the most anxious in all of history, at least recent history. And I, I have to tell you that I can understand this. I mean, I appreciate this. I have my own struggles with this. But Jesus once said, don't worry. He once said, don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, the, the way that you'll look, what you'll wear. He says, God takes care of the birds in the sky. God is going to take care of you. Another thing about Jesus is that Jesus cared for other people and Jesus stopped for other people. But, but you're so busy that, that you often don't see other people. You, you, you're, you can't be, you're too hurried to the next appointment that it, it's too often you can't be bothered. But one time Jesus was on his way to another appointment and he was full with a whole bunch of people who were walking with him. And I think he was probably trying to get away from some of these people, to be honest. And the whole crowd was pushing in on Jesus and, and he realized at a moment that somebody touched him. And so he asked those, those followers that were close to him, he's like, somebody touched me. And they're like, Jesus, you're crazy. Of course somebody's touched you. You're in the midst of a crowd. Let's get out of here onto our way. And Jesus said, no, somebody touched me and somebody needs me. And so he stopped. And sure enough that there was a woman who had been hemorrhaging and bleeding and who was hurting and, 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 and probably had like infections and all other kind of things going on inside of her. And, and Jesus stopped and, and spent the time to heal her. Jesus stopped and helped one hurting person. And the last thing I want to say about how Jesus lived versus how you and I sometimes live is that Jesus was consumed with fellowship with God. Jesus was consumed with fellowship with God. And, and what this means is that one time Jesus was, was praying to God, and was, this was his prayer. He said, God, help my followers be one, just as the way that you and I are one. This is not the scripture, so that's um, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, but that's that's another good scripture. But uh, this is he, he he says, you know, God help help my followers to be one as the way as you and I are one. Just telling his, his, just telling people and, and sharing to us that that Jesus is consumed with fellowship with God and he wants that for you and I. But how many times do you try to pray and you end up falling asleep or thinking about your to-do list or your next meal or whatever you have to do? We're too busy sometimes just to slow down. And so if you're honest with yourself, if you're honest with yourself, Maybe this leaves you asking, is the way I'm living working? 
Is the way I'm living working? What about your schedule? Is it working? Is your schedule working? Is your schedule, your pace, your busyness, your, your have to get here, have to do this, is it working for you and for those closest to you that you care about? Or, or what about your insecurities, your unresolved hurts, the, the, the lack of forgiveness that you're holding on to, the anxieties and fears? How are they working out for you? Are they, are they working for you? Jesus said, I'm the way. And I came so that they could live life to the fullest. I came so that you could live life to the fullest. And you might be thinking, you know, that's fine. That's fine. But you don't understand what I've got to do. I've got to push just a little bit harder. And if I push just a little bit harder, I'm going to make my goal. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm, going, to, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to finish this project. I'm going to actually get my, my resolution done this year. I've got the willpower to do it. I am motivated. I, I just need to push just a little, little bit harder and achieve just a little bit more. But here's the deal. If you achieve everything that you've ever desired for, if you achieve all your goals and, and you get everything that you had hoped for and you receive that in life, then you're going to start worrying, well, maybe I'm going to lose it. How am I going to hang on to it? And so it just shifts from trying to acquire to trying to figure out how to hang on to it. I mean, this way, it doesn't seem to be working. And it reminds me of, about a really wise saying in the Bible. It's something that, that sometimes the way you're doing things seems right. But in the end, it just doesn't work out. Sometimes the way you're doing things, you think they are right. But in the end, it just doesn't work out. And this comes from the book of Proverbs, which is really just a, a bunch of wise sayings that try to teach us and teach you how to, how to live a, a wise life. And in Proverbs 14... Um, chapter 14, we read this. It says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. The way appears to be right, it looks like it's right. It's like those, those people that you, you, we used to read, maybe it still happens, but I'm following my GPS, and I, and I know the way appears to be right, but then you start looking around, and the car ends up off the cliff, and there's a tragic story. I mean, I can't believe that this kind of stuff has happened, but it has, you know, uh, because you think the way is right, but it ends up leading to death. And here's the thing. Jesus is inviting you. Jesus is inviting you to set aside the way of the world. Jesus is inviting you to set aside the way that leads to death and to live a better way. A better way. A way that is truly leading to life, a life lived to the fullest. A way of life that lacks the worry of the world. A way of, uh, of life that, that is for purpose, that allows you to live for God and live for helping other people. A, a way that, that frees you from the slavery of having to worry about things, about, the, uh, about your past and having anxiety about the future because God allows you to live in and for today. So if you're tired of the way you're living. Tired of the stress, tired of being miserable, tired of the anxiety, uh, of, of the anxiousness, of the fearfulness, tired of thinking it all depends on you, tired of, of drinking too much, tired of, tired of holding on to jealousy in your heart. If that's where you are today, if you are tired of living this way, Jesus says, there is a better way. There is a better way. And over the next few weeks, we are going to explore this better day, better way. And I'm so thankful for some, some, some resources with our ministry partners at this church called Life Church that's helped develop some of these resources that we're using. Uh, but, but, but God is going to help us, I think, find a better way over the next few weeks. But here's the deal. You don't have to wait for the next few weeks. Here's the secret. You don't have to wait for tomorrow. 
you can begin today. Because Jesus invites you today to this better way. Jesus invites you today, and, and maybe this is the, the, the first invitation you've ever had, or maybe this is just the first invitation you've had this year. And, and um, whatever the case may be, Jesus invites you. And, and here's the deal. Entry into this better way is marked, is marked by baptism. And, and baptism is this rite of the church where God comes down and, 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 and says, join me along a better way of living. Where God comes down and said, you are my chosen, I love you, join me in this better way of living. Through water and the Spirit and baptism, people are incorporated into God's saving works in a powerful way and, and given this new and better way of living. Not just for yourself, but with other people, as people of the way. So you don't have to wait. And here's what we're going to do. Today, today you are invited to a time of remembering and renewing your baptism. At Kern Church, we're a part of the United Methodist Church, and as, as part of the United Methodist Church, we have this tradition of, of remembering our baptism, and this is an important part of our tradition that we, we believe is really important to faith. You see, baptism is something that happens once in life. Whether you were baptized as an infant, as I was, or as a child, or, or as an adult, baptism is something that happens once in your life, and in this act, God makes it known that God is for you, that God is with you. And the great thing about God is that God is always faithful. God is always faithful. So baptism is not something that we do again. Um, but here's the deal. You and I are often not faithful. You and I often will fall away. So it's important to confess, to confess for this, to confess this. It's important to return to Jesus, to the better way that Jesus has to offer. And this is what our, our baptismal remembrance service is, is all about. Renewing your commitment, renewing your commitment to Jesus' better way of living life to the fullest. And so here's what we're going to do. In just a few moments, I'm going to ask you a, a series of questions. And these questions, these are questions we ask at, at baptism. These are questions about confessing your sins and, 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 and confessing that you believe in Jesus and want to follow after Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you these questions. And maybe this is the first time you've answered them, or maybe this is the first time just this year that you're answering these questions. And then after that, I'm going I'm to say a word of prayer. I'm going to pour some water and say a word of prayer over this water. And, and uh, we'll invite you to come forward. And I will, I will put the mark of a cross and water on your forehead and ask you to remember your baptism and be thankful. I invite you to live this better way of Jesus. And now, if you are here today and you have never before been baptized, maybe you feel God working on your heart. And you realize that God is doing something now and new in this year to draw you closer to God, to draw you closer into relationship to God, and you want to follow Jesus along this better way. And if that's where you are and you feel like you want to receive this gift of baptism today, when you come forward, I just invite you to say, you know, I haven't been baptized. I'd like to be baptized. And I'll baptize you right now. And I ask the, that God will bless you in this baptism. I'll take the water and, and, and put it on your, fore, on your head and, add, and baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And ask God's Spirit to help fill you on this better way. And, and here in our tradition, we baptize in different ways. And one way is, is by, by sprinkling water. And that's what we would do this morning. But if you want to be fully immersed in, in the water and go, go down in the water, maybe you've seen that before and you want to participate in baptism like that, just tell me and we'll do it at another time. 
And then I also recognize that maybe you're here today and you've never been baptized and you want to, to, to grow closer to God, but you're not ready for baptism. If that's the case, just, just let me know and I'll pray for you. And we'll follow up and talk, talk more about baptism. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of holy baptism, you and I are initiated into Christ's holy church, given new birth by water and the Spirit. And all this is God's gift offered to us without a price. So right now, I want to invite you in a time to, to reaffirm your baptism, to confess who you are in Christ, and to follow after the way of Jesus. So I ask you, on behalf of the whole church, these questions. Do you repent of your sin? Do you repent of your sin and reject the evil forces of this world in whatever forms that it presents themselves? Just so say, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power that God gives you to resist evil and justice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Just so say, I do. And do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior? Put your whole trust in His grace and promise to serve Him in union with the church which God has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races, if so say I do. And according to God's grace given to you, given to you, will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church, following after the better way of Jesus and serve as Christ's representatives in the world, if so say I do. And here's one more question I want to ask you. You see, when you join in, in, in with God. It's not something that happens just between you and God. It's part of a, a, a church family. It's part of doing this with God alongside other people. And so if somebody professes a faith, it's good that you profess faith, but it's, but it's better when you profess faith and you walk alongside other people. So right now, I want to ask you questions of, 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 of if you would to, to join us here at Kern Church and make this your church home. And maybe you've been here for a long time and you've never done this before. And, and if that's the case, now's the perfect time to do it. To, to say, you know, this is my church home and I want to claim it as my own. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and if you're, if you're being baptized this morning, this is a question I'm asking you too. And I want you to know if you're not ready to, to, to claim this as your church home, that's completely okay too. But I'm going to ask you this, this last question. It's a question of, of making this your church home. Will you promise to support the church? with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. That's just saying, you know, God, I promise to be present in worship. I, I, I promise to pray for this church and for those that are in need. I, I promise to give financially to support the ministry of the church. I promise to serve in the church and in our, my community of blessing other people, and I promise to be a witness. That means just living a life after the way of Jesus. And uh, after I ask this question, and if you come forward and say, you don't want to join the church today, I'll ask that you just, just stay up here with me and uh, we'll introduce you and, and, and invite you into this fellowship together. Let me say a word of prayer before we answer, ask these questions. God, in these moments, I ask that you still our hearts. Still the hearts of each one as we respond to your calling. And if there's anyone here this morning that is wanting to take a step in faith through baptism and through joining the church, I pray that you, you help them listen to their hearts. You help them follow after your way. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Before the beginning, God's Spirit came across the waters and spoke into creation being. 
Water has always been a sign of God's saving grace, an invitation to a better way. Jesus Himself was nurtured in the water of the womb, bringing forth grace to all who call on His name. So God, I ask that You bless this water with Your Spirit. That those who receive it for the first time or for the first time this year will be strengthened in Your ways and blessed to lead life to life eternal. God, I give You thanks. I give you thanks for water and, and for the, the cleansing that it provides. And I, and I pray that you would move in the hearts of each one who's taken a step of faith towards you this year. That you would help each one commit to your better way to be strengthened in their spirit this day. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If you've been searching for a better way, the better way is Jesus. And so my prayer for you is that as you leave this place, you walk each day with the presence of Jesus in your life, that in this mark of baptism, in this renewal of your faith, that you can find that better way in Jesus. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.